Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Social Security Talk, podcast which is brought to you by the National Social Security Advisor Certificate Program. Welcome. My name is Mark Kiner, the guy in the, the uh, blue uh, shirt. So is our guest in the blue shirt, too. I'm located in a suburb of, of Cincinnati, Ohio called Blue Ash. It's a suburb of Cincinnati. And my partner, Jim Blair, who's not on this podcast, is also lo- located in uh, Cincinnati. He lives in the suburb of White Oak. So every month or so, we have special guests on our webinar, on our podcast. And every month, we also have a podcast that features Jim Blair and myself. So today, our special guest is Bill Rinaldi. <laughs> Bill's located in New Jersey, and his company is Security Mutual Life. Uh, and uh, uh, and Bill is the senior financial service consultant. Well, that's a mouthful, Bill. His company is located in Bloomington, New York. So what we want to talk about today are sales concepts to marry Social Security with life insurance. Uh, Bill, talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into this line of business. Well, uh, thanks, Mark. First of all, I I am a, a, a big fan of the show. I mean, there aren't many people out there who... Uh, provide advanced training when it comes to Social Security. And you're one of very few people who actually do that. And I, I thank you for that. And I, I find uh, the show to be very, very valuable. Um, as far as I am personally concerned, I, I um, spent years working in estate planning with my dad, a guy named Frank Rinaldi. And um, that kind of went out the window to some extent when they changed the tax law. And now it's starting to come back. But at the time, there were just so few people who were going to be subject to estate taxes that um, we started talking about other things. And I, I'll just tell you a quick story that, that is, is, is burned into my memory for the rest of my life. Uh, I went on an appointment with my dad to talk to one of his clients um, about that person's buy-sell, their business buy-sell. And... My dad opened the meeting by asking him this question. Hey, Bobby, I know you're going to be 70 very soon. What did you ever do with your Social Security? That's how this conversation started. And he went to Bobby went on to explain what he had done. And it turned out that he had not gotten the best advice and he had missed out on some uh, spousal benefit for his wife. Now, what I haven't told you here is that that was about $1,500 a month he had missed out on for his wife for a four-year period. Hmm. Um, what I hadn't told you is that Bobby's net worth was probably about $40 million at the time. And you would think that someone with that kind of net worth wouldn't care uh, so much about their Social Security. But he was furious. Hmm. He was furious about the fact that he had missed out on this because nobody had told him. And he didn't feel like he had gotten everything he was entitled to, everything he had paid for over the years. Mm-hmm. So that made a huge impression, and it was really a, a career-altering moment for me. How long ago was that? Oh, that was, let's see, about 10 years ago. Okay, today. got it. Yeah. So back at that time, there were a few addis- couple of additional uh, social security stra- strategies still available, uh, claim and suspend, right. and also the restricted app. 
claiming to suspend we know bill basically not basically it's gone but the restricted application is still available but it's going to be gone by the end of this year yeah i mean i think pretty much anybody who needed to do it has probably already done that oh they've done it yeah, yeah. my gm blair is my partner jim worked for ssa for 35 years and he does all consultations so every time we teach a class or have a webinar i say jim when was the last time you met with somebody who was able to file the restricted application he can't remember anybody this year. Nobody. Yeah. So I guess it was in 2022, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, too, if, if you haven't filed yet, you can only go back so far. So it's not going to get you a whole lot extra at this point. So. Not at this point. You're right. But right right now, we've got October, November, December, three months and two weeks, three half, three half months of uh, the opportunity to meet with somebody who can do the restricted app. You're right, but that's okay. That's why we focus on situational social security in our training and how to ask those probing questions so clients get more money out of the social security system. However, that's enough about us. We want to focus on you and what you have to offer. So go for it, uh, Bill. Well, You can buy Bill, right? Yes, that's fine, Mark. Okay. Uh, one of the things I've noticed every, over the years, having done a lot of uh, training, not just for financial professionals, but for consumers as well, I feel like there's almost a, a black hole when it comes to Social Security in the following sense. Um, there's, there's a lot of good training out there. There are a lot of good companies that do a lot of good uh, material on Social Security. But one of the best ways to solve some of the problems that people have uh, as a result of their Social Security situation is through the use of life insurance. And we just don't see, I mean, other than our company, I don't think we see a lot of people uh, developing concepts on how life insurance can solve a particular uh, problem with Social Security. So um, let me give you one quick example. Um, as, as, as you well know, Mark, uh, there are very few things in Social Security that are simple. Everything is incredibly complicated. One thing that's relatively simple for most people is one of the most important things in Social Security, and that's survivor benefits. Assuming you live past, both spouses live past the age of 70, then the survivor benefit is simply the higher of the two. So, for example, if I'm collecting $2,000 a month and my wife is collecting $1,000 a month, um, if something that happens to me, there's good news and bad news, Right. The good news is that she gets a step up. She gets promoted. She goes from $1,000 a month for herself to $2,000 a month. But there's bad news as well. The bad news is that as a household, we used to get $3,000. Now when it's just her, it's only $2,000. So um, this is something I, I, I see in a lot of people, including people in my own family. When people get older and they're living in their condo somewhere, and let's say they're in their 80s at this point, the last thing they want to do uh, is move into, for the most part, the last thing they want to do is move into assisted living, move into a uh, nursing home or something like that. They want to stay in their house for as long as they possibly can. Now, what, when one of the spouses dies, what happens to the mortgage payment? It's a trick question, Mark. Actually. It continues. <laughs> That's right. Nothing happens to the mortgage payments. Right? Yeah, it continues. Yeah. What happens to the real estate taxes? Again, they, they stay the same, don't they? The now they go thing, up each they, year. They might. 
Well, yeah, and the income taxes might go up too because of uh, you know because you're filing as a single person, right? I know that's right, something that's you've true. talked about. Yeah, the next year, correct? Uh huh. Yeah, um, the, the real estate taxes, the maintenance uh, at best will stay the same. Yeah, right? that that might go up as well. So here is the problem. I mean, you have someone, let's say, in their early 80s, uh, they want to stay in their house as long as possible, and all of a sudden they have less income coming in because there's only one person living there. How do you solve a problem like that? Well, this is where life insurance can help. If you can fund a life insurance policy in, in anticipation of this, let's say when they're in their early 60s, all of a sudden, when that one person dies, you have a pool of money that you can draw from to help cover those expenses to give that person what they really want, which is to stay in their house for as long as they can. And uh, strangely enough, Mark, you know, I've looked at the numbers. You don't really need what I would consider to be a lot of life insurance to create that pool of money to replace that Social Security income. Uh, now, it might be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which don't don't mistake what I'm saying. That's a lot of money. But in terms of buying a life insurance policy, you know, a few years in advance, it doesn't cost that much if you're in decent health. So a couple hundred thousand dollars can make all the difference in the world and you just got to pre-fund it. So that's that, that's the first concept we have, uh, basically using life insurance to replace that lost Social Security benefit uh, when one of the spouses dies. So, Bill, when should somebody be looking for this type of life insurance? Uh, I would say with with pretty much anything I'm talking about today, uh, obviously, the earlier, the better. That's mm -hmm. always if, it, if I if I knew to yesterday what I know now, I would have bought as much as I possibly could have when I was 20 years old. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, realistically, uh, people tend to take a serious look at their Social Security benefit in let's like, starting in their mid 50s, maybe. And I think that's the best time to start, you know, as soon as you're okay. really looking at your Social Security benefit. Got it. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. It's uh, a good idea. I'm glad you mentioned that one uh, first. Oh, good. Well, great. Um, so that, that that's an idea, Mark, that applies to most people, I would say, or a good number of people, a good number of middle income people, especially. Um, there's a second concept we use that applies to someone with a larger net worth. And I know because I've had that, this conversation with people and, and sometimes, you know, you're not going to impress that individual by saying, well, I can show you how you can get, increase your benefit from $2,500 a month to $2,750 a month. Uh, for a lot of people with a halfway decent net worth, that's mm -hmm. not going to make much of a difference. But if you collect your Social Security and you don't need it for your monthly expenses, then you could actually use that money to leverage it up into a much higher, much more significant benefit for your family. You could collect, let's say you collect your Social Security early at age 62. You take out the income taxes that come out of that, and then you could use that money to buy a life insurance policy. And whereas that, that extra money might not make too much of a difference in terms of uh, the standard of living for a particular individual, if you say to them, you know what, if we leverage this money up, we can get another six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for your family when you're gone. All of a sudden, that's going to get some some attention. So that that's another concept. 
basically leveraging up the Social Security benefit to something much more significant. So, Bill, kind of what you're saying is uh, consider taking your benefits maybe prior to your full retirement age. Use the net Social Security proceeds to purchase life insurance. Well, yeah. And, and of course, that's assuming you're not going to continue to work and get a wage if you're going to mm-hmm. do that, right? Yes, but, correct. But let mm-hmm. me just make a quick observation about that, Mark, because okay. um, I, I've, I've looked at the numbers on something like that. And I compared, let's say, age 62 to age 67 to age 70. And it's kind of strange in that the smallest life insurance benefit comes at age 62. When you get older, of course, the premium goes up every year, uh, especially when you're in your 60s and older. It goes up more and more each year. But strangely enough, you can afford more coverage, let's say, if you wait until age 67, uh, because what's happened is the Social Security benefit goes up faster than the premium on the life insurance. And the same thing applies to age 70. Now, it's an interesting little little quirk, but let me get back to what you were saying. Having said that, I would strongly recommend to most people in that situation not to wait. And with to, to make the move at age 62, if you're in that exact situation and you, and you can afford to do it. And there's a reason for that. The reason is that we have an implicit assumption, don't we, that this person can still qualify for insurance at the same rate at age 67 or at age 70 as they could have at age 62. Maybe that'll be true. Maybe it won't. They might not be able to get life insurance at all when they get to that age. Mm-hmm. So for that Correct. reason, yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, f- for that reason, uh, it, it it's going to get you a little bit less coverage if you do it right away. Mm-hmm. But at least you know you're going to get that coverage. I guess, Bill, relating to my own Social Security, I, I, I'm single. And... My full retirement age was June of 2022 because I was born in 1956 and my full retirement age, 66 and four months. So I did something that's kind of similar, only to a small extent with what you're talking about. I decided to claim my benefits in June. That was my full retirement age month because that's when the uh, earnings test went away for me. Right. There was no reason for me to wait to age 70 because that was not going, no one's going to collect off me when I'm gone. So I figured, why should I wait? So, so at the third Wednesday of every month, Bill, I wake up, I'm real excited. The money is in my bank account. And the third Wednesday in September is this coming up uh, Wednesday. Uh, folks that are on this uh, listening and watching this podcast, that day will have passed for everybody. But what I do with my, uh, in, with my social security bill is I, I invest that money. I, I, I purchase individual stocks, purchase mutual funds, and that's because I that's what I want to do with it. I want to invest it. I need to build up a nice nest egg. So now I have three things I do with it. I invest it. I, I, I can pay off loans, can pay off expenses. I can even pay estimated taxes, which I don't do. So primarily, at least not with those funds. So uh, well, so what I do, Bill, I, I do invest that money. And so I like what you're saying to to be able to purchase additional life insurance uh, with that with that income. I'm just taking a different tack because I'm single. I don't see any, I personally, I don't see any reason uh, for me to have additional life insurance from what I have. So I'm just investing it. Well, that, that's fantastic, Mark. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that because you're ahead of 99% of the people 
who collect their social security by doing something like that. And what you're talking about is basically the same concept. Mm. Yeah, basically the same. Yeah, yeah. Slightly different. I understand exactly what you're talking about, though, Bill. Definitely. Well, well, actually, let me uh, move on to the third concept, Mark, because uh, I think the one advantage to using life insurance as opposed to using doing what you're doing and using it mm. in an investment mm. portfolio. I'm, I'm willing to listen, believe me, and learn. Well, I can change. <laughs> I, well, one of the things that you can uh, – one of the advantages to using life insurance as well – is that you can use it as a hedge. And I've had this situation, I've talked to people in this situation where um, someone was inclined to collect at age 62. And this was, in this case, this recently was a, a married couple. And he was about to turn, to turn 62. And he wanted to collect, even though he had a pretty good life expectancy, and his wife had a pretty good life expectancy as well. And when you looked at the numbers, the reason he wanted to collect was that he would have to forego uh, over $200,000 of Social Security income during those eight years between age 62 and age 70. And his concern is what happens if if I'm wrong and I end up getting hit by a bus when I'm seven, uh, 68 or 69 years old? I will have I forewent all that money, and now I have nothing to show for it. So that's that's one of the reasons people collect early. And in a circumstance like that, this is the third example here, right? The, the third example is that life insurance could be a great hedge in a circumstance like that. Uh, so you might buy a $200,000 life insurance policy when you're 62, just in case you're wrong about your longevity. And what you could actually do, Mark, is get a get a term policy if you want to in, under those circumstances, because it's just it's just trying to ensure that you're going to make it past age 70 or your break even age, which is probably closer to age 80. But just to make sure you're going to live that long. So let's say you got a, a 15 or 20 year term policy. It wouldn't cost that much. And this way, if something did happen to you. That would be your hedge. You would have this extra pool of money to replace what you gave up by mm -hmm. waiting to collect Social Security. So kind of what you're saying is this. Uh, determine the amount of benefits that you gave up by collecting early and then buying a life insurance or waiting. Or waiting. Well, yeah. The amount of yeah, money waiting. you would, have, you would, you would forego – yeah. By waiting. Yeah, by waiting and buying life insurance policy is kind of equal to that difference to some extent. Right. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Yeah, so. I understand. So in my case, uh, I did forego benefits from 62 to 66. So there's no doubt about it. I could have foregone benefits until I reached 870. Right. And, and, and you purchase a life insurance policy kind of equal to that difference there. Yeah. And I, I've heard that the way those tables are constructed – it's designed for the average life expectancy so that if you live to the average life expectancy and you're a single person, you're going to break out pretty much the mm -hmm. same either way. So uh, really, uh, in, in a circumstance like that, I think it's important to look at your own situation and just see. You know, you, every time you, you decide to collect Social Security, you're making a bet to some extent. Uh, you are. You are. I, I agree. 
Yeah, I could have waited to take 70, Bill. My benefit would have gone up, you know, 8% per year for, you know, three years or so, whatever. And, but I made the decision since I'm not, no one's going to clock off me when I'm gone. For me, there was really no reason to wait. However, though, Bill, when I turn age 100, I will walk into my partner, Jim Blair's off uh, uh, retirement community room. You know, he worked for SSA for 35 years. So when I'm, uh, when I'm a uh, hundred, he'll be maybe uh, one oh six or something along those lines. And we'll just talk about the fact that I decided to claim early. Bill, maybe I should have waited to age seventy if I lived to to the age of one hundred. You Bill, guys will talk- be like uh, Warren Buffett and, and Charlie Munger. Yeah, we will. I'm the younger guy. Uh, I, I'm sixty seven. Uh, Jim is now seventy three. But yeah, you're right. Yes, and what. Uh, uh, Charlie Munger will be a hundred on uh, New Year's Day, something like that, and then Warren and Buffett in his nineties, right? Ninety-three, I believe. Wow, definitely. I understand, Bill. You have a podcast. Talk about that, please. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Security Mutual Life publishes a podcast, which I uh, am the producer of the uh, the audio person, the the the, the DJ, the editor okay. of. And I write probably about 60% of the episodes. Uh, okay. My friend Victor Nye writes the other 40% or so. Uh, it's called the SML. It's Security Mutual Life. SML Planning Minute. Um, it's, it's a simple, straightforward podcast designed for consumers. It only runs about five to ten minutes uh, per episode. And we've been doing that for over five years now. And... Uh, it's been going every week for the last five years. So we have uh, 250 episodes that we've done, and uh, we're going to keep doing it for as long as, as people enjoy it. What was the last topic you had on your SML Planning Minute? Well, I'll tell you what. I just uh, I just recorded two episodes today. Uh-huh. Okay, so the first one was about the, uh, the, the, the uh, IRS rules that came out on Roth accounts under Secure 2.0, where remember they said this, you had to, if you had over a certain amount of income, you had to put the money into a, a catch-up provision and you're over age 50, you had to put it into a Roth rather than a regular IRA, but then they deferred that. So that was that was one of them. The second uh, one that I did today is on the estate of Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. which has been tied up in court for the past five years since she died. And um, they found a, a piece of paper between the cushions on her couch uh, well, that appeared to be her will, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't notarized. It wasn't witnessed. It was just a, a piece of paper with some stuff scribbled on it. And uh, the court decided that, yes, this is a valid will. So that hopefully ends all the litigation between uh, her children. At this mm-hmm. point. So, so it's a little yeah. bit of everything with this okay. podcast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. How can uh, folks uh, connect with you relating to your podcast? How can they view and watch it? Well, it's available uh, where you get most of your podcasts. So that includes Apple and Google Play and everything else. Again, it's smlplanningminute.com. And if anybody uh, in your audience wants to reach out to me, I'd love to talk to you. I'll yeah, give you please. My phone number, mm-hmm. uh, 607-760-3315. Email address? Uh, yes, W. Reynald. There's no, there's an I at the end of my name, but not on the end of my email address. W R A I N 
A-L-D, at smlny.com. Why not at the end of your email address? I guess my name's a little too long, Mark. I don't know. Oh, is that kind of what it is? Okay, I got it. Okay, I I understand completely. Uh, That's my idea. (laughs) so, So, Bill, how can advisors utilize these concepts we just talked about? Well, uh, we're happy to share uh, some of these things. I have more detailed presentations. Uh, I'm doing a lot of training in this area as well. And, uh, you know, we might be able to share some of that information with, with someone who reaches out to us. So, Got it. Appreciate it. Definitely. So this is Bill Rinaldi out of New Jersey with the company of Security Mutual Life. Uh, Bill is the senior financial services consultant for his company, which is located in Bloomington, New York. And we've been talking about sales concepts to marry social security with life insurance. It's a very unique uh, uh, concept, no doubt. And and advisors should always should 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 definitely consider the opportunity to increase somebody's or, or to increase somebody's life insurance death benefit when they're talking to their clients about social security. Did I say that right, Bill? Yeah. I mean, I would just add Mark that uh, the idea is that there's, there's a problem here. And when you look at their social security situation, there's a problem. How do you solve that problem? Well, sometimes life insurance is the perfect solution to that problem. And these are some cases where I think that's true. Great. And, and Bill, uh, we were talking before the, the podcast began, what are the, 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 the five largest states that, that uh, you, have, you have advisors in? Well, I'd say New York is the biggest uh, for us. Uh, we do a lot of business as well in, in Michigan uh, and Florida uh, and California and then uh, some other places. I mean, we're, we're, we're licensed all over the country, of course. Yeah. So it's just a... But those are, I would say, are the biggest states that we do business in. Yeah, you mentioned Ohio, too, before us. I, I was excited to hear that. Yeah, Ohio's a big one for us, absolutely. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excuse me. I was in Chicago last week, Bill. Now, this week, and I caught a cold, so I got a little <laughs> bug. little bug. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you being on, on today's podcast. We will definitely send you the link when it's ready to go. Any final comments you'd like to make, Bill? No, like I said, Mark, I'm a big fan of what you do, so keep keep going. We will. Thank you. And now this ends today's Social Security Talk podcast. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Bill. Bye. Thanks. 